you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. The Around the League Podcast. Doesn't trust men in fedoras. Welcome to another edition of the Around the League Podcast. My name is Dan Hansis, and I am joined by a room full of heroes. Chris Wesseling, Mark Sessler, and Greg Rosenthal. What up, boys? Hey, Dan. What's up with you? How are you feeling today? Well, I think you're referring to the New York Jets' 13-10 to 10 loss, I believe it was, yesterday. That was tough. That was not fun uh, at all. I like that you're not hanging your head in any shame whatsoever. Dan walked into the office a few minutes ago. This is his off day. He came in just for you guys to do the podcast. <laughs> he walked in with his Jets hat, and Lindsey Rhodes immediately said, Is somebody making you wear that? Yeah, and she didn't say it with a smirk or anything. Like it was an actual question. Did like I lost a bet? It's clear that she has never read a word of your writing <laughs> or listened to this show ever, because she would clearly know that you are a lifelong Jets fan, for better or worse. That was a bit of a giveaway for Linz, but uh, I explained to her that my father gave me this curse of being a Jets fan, and that's something I deal with. Can't be that disappointing. Lose by three points in Foxborough. This. You know, season where you're supposed to be rebuilding, you're one and one. Not bad, not bad. And I do, I do take some umbrage in the fact that I have a lot of friends because I went to school in Boston that were texting me. They were at Foxborough and they were like, you know, talking trash about how it was going to be a, a wipeout. And I just knew, to, I knew they were not. Gonna, that was not going to be how it played out. Thought it was going to be a close game. It was. Uh, we will get into that more Thursday night football. But uh, we have we have a lot to get to today. This is our super show, right? Is super Our mega is, show. Is that taken? Supersized show? Supersized has been used in, in America. Oh, okay. But we're going to do a little... We're going to go hopefully, you know, 40 minutes or so. We're going to talk about uh, week two, obviously, some headlines. Uh, but yeah, we should start with Thursday Night Football. We, we were talking about the Jets just now. Um, Greg, I want to talk to you as the Patriots fan. Are you nervous about this Patriots offense? No, I wouldn't say I'm nervous. It's week two... Uh, it's a different team. Uh, I even said going into the season, I thought I was going to have to be a more defensive team. I think what you saw last night was a short week, and you went into the season with so many questions on offense, all these new guys. And then on top of those questions, you lose Vereen, you lose Sudfeld. Dobson missed the first week, and then he's back uh, for this week. You miss Amendola. And you only had three players to throw to. I mean, literally only three players had more than one target last night. Ken Brell Tompkins, Dobson, and Julian Edelman. And it doesn't shock me that a good defense that has always played the Patriots well slowed them down. I think if you take any team and say we're going we're gonna to remove 90% of your passing game, but you're going to start the season 2-0, and be in control of your division, and you get the best tight end in history coming back the next week, you have to take that. Uh, how lucky are the Patriots, though? You 
you have all these issues you're dealing with, and you get the gift of two division games against teams that may not be good against two rookies. I mean, if they had a tougher schedule, they could easily be 0-2 right now. And, and they have another tomato can next week with Josh <laughs> Freeman. I mean, it's like they just line them up. You know, who they play in the week after that might as well be Christian Ponder. Maybe Achilles Smith will come out of retirement for week four. I mean, it's been ridiculous, their schedule. You're right, but the defense has played well. Well, on the flip side, though, the Jets possibly got New England at the, at the best time they could. Right. right? I mean, rugged weather, bizarre game. New England completely still figuring out who they are on offense. It, the Jets aren't going to see the same Patriots team later on this no, season. No, this, this was their chance to beat them. But, you know, one more thing I want to say about the Patriots. And Julian Edelman, I know he was a making the leap candidate for us, and he's a pretty decent player, but 18 targets. He had 13 catches for, what was it, 78 yards, six yards, an, six yards a catch. They're not going to win a lot. Of, I know when Gronk comes back, this should be different, but it's terrifying that Julian Edelman was targeted 18 times in a game that counted. They didn't have a tight end catch a pass for the first time in four years. They had more punts than first downs for the first time in the Bill Belichick era. They had the fewest first downs of any game in the Bill Belichick era. So this wasn't just a bad performance. It was the worst performance of Tom Brady's career. Can I ask you a question as a Patriots fan? Because you're in a room with Wes, who holds no allegiances, but you're in a Allegedly. room with a, a Jets fan and a Browns fan who, yeah. that game would have meant the world to Dan to win last night. Yeah. For you, as a Patriots fan watching essentially nothing but success <laughs> for 10 years, do you feel anything when they win a game like that? Yeah, you're happier than than if they lost, but if they lost, you're not that worried. You're thinking it really is that you only get juiced up for the big games and for the rest of the season, and you have such faith that they're going to be a different team in December than they are in September, and that's the same every year, that you're not really freaking it out. I mean, Chris will tell you, I was kind of rooting on – this is where I've changed a little bit over the – I was kind of rooting on the Jets at certain points in terms of I wanted a close game. I kind of wanted them to take <laughs> the lead just to make it more interesting, spice it up. Yeah, I think if you are a fan of football, you want to see a, a good game, and that game set football back about 50 years. <laughs> yeah, but it was good to see it actually competitive for once between – it's been a couple right. years since that happened. I thought for Rex Ryan, this early season has gone – rather well for him compared to what many designed it to be for him before it started. It could have been an utter disaster. A lot of question marks, but... And Dan, do you know why Julian Edelman had 18 targets? Why is that? Tom Brady completed over 70% of his passes to Julian Edelman and under 30% of his passes to all the other targets combined. Oh my God, can anyone on that field catch... I mean, they, the Patriots guy struggled. Clyde Gates for the Jets is just... Cut him now. An absolute <laughs> abject... Tire fire and Steven uh, Tannenbaum's folly. I compared yeah. him to Ramiro Mendoza. Hill. When Ramiro Mendoza went from the Yankees to the Red Sox, I know this is a baseball reference here. Like he was this. the embedded Yankee that was set, <laughs> sent to Boston to ruin their team. I think Clyde Gates is doing the same thing. Sent from Miami to Tony Sperano and the Jets. He's still there and he's just taking them down. And speaking to your point, uh, Cecil, I really I think that Rex is still it's curtains for Rex because. One thing you see there is Gino is not ready. He's not. I know he made some plays early on, and all the same guys on Twitter that were praising Sanchez two and a half years ago in the first quarter were tweeting things like, "Oh, this Gino is the real deal," you know. But let's watch the whole game and see what happens. He had three interceptions and three completions in the fourth quarter. He he doesn't. He has no awareness in the pocket, and th this doesn't mean he'll never be good. But he's simply he's undercooked right now. 
And they have to go through a whole season of this with Sanchez. Who knows what's going on with Sanchez? But I got a feeling that he's going to go through some serious, almost Jimmy Clausen-like uh, struggles this year, and that's going to lead to double-digit losses and goodbye Rex Ryan. The Easy I, there on Clausen. Yeah, I'm I just saying, buddy. I think he's being damaged because <laughs> he was put into this lineup before he should have been, and I think that's going to they're going to live to regret this decision. I agree that he's the kind of quarterback who needs a really good supporting cast to do well, and the Jets are the opposite of that. Right, and they were able to do it with Sanchez in 2009 because they had a great defense and a great running game. They don't have, the defense is pretty good. The running game is suspect, although Chris Ivory looked better. This is, this is not a good spot for Geno, and I think it could set him back. It bothered me most on Twitter to see all these people asking Geno Smith to take off with the ball as if he's a running quarterback. He averaged 1.4 yards a carry at West Virginia. Yeah, but basic pocket awareness is what it was. That's not what I'm talking about. People seem to think this guy is some sort of scampering passer. No, he isn't. That's just not the offense he ever ran. He isn't, but you have to know when to run as a quarterback, and he did a great job of that in week one. I think he picked up five first downs running, uh, and he's fast enough to do it. There were just some times where he stands back there and and just looks forever, and he's got to have that internal clock. And then one other thing about the Pats, Greg, and I tweeted this that I had never seen – Brady more frustrated in the game, and I thought in some level it was him realizing, oh, my God, I'm in trouble until Gronk gets back. And then I got a bunch of Pats fans that tweeted me back, including Greg, that they'd seen him worse. Uh, is that fair, fair to say that he's been more frustrated in a game than Thursday night? I think he's known for getting fired up and angry at receivers during the game. He did it to his offensive coordinator. He's done it um, to some of his players in the past. I mean, that's kind of his M.O., now it's young players, though, and he even said after the game, you know, he has to be more patient with them. If they get Sudfeld, Gronkowski, Amendola back, you know, and Vereen, eventually I think they'll look better. I got a big kick out of all the sports writers on Twitter last night trying to start some great debate. Why there's a double standard that Brady's allowed to berate his receivers, but Jay Cutler isn't or Dina Smith isn't. Shut up. <laughs> and I'm thinking, come on. Are, you, are we really going to go down this road and act like Brady's not one of the best quarterbacks in NFL history and hasn't earned that right? He could do whatever he wants. I mean, right, it's absolutely. Like, it's like Dan Marino at the end of his career was always salty at All his receivers. And if, you, and, and if you've ever played any sport, you know that some of your teammates are natural leaders and can get away with that, and some of your teammates, you're, nobody's ever going to listen to them because they haven't earned that. Yeah, and I guess one more point I had was, you know, all the fans in Foxborough, calm down a little bit. Booing when the Jets had some injuries at the end of the game, as if the Patriots had such a dangerous high octane offense rolling <laughs> that the Jets needed to slow things down. The Pats were little league on offense. These were genuine injuries, I'm sure, because the Jets could not have been gassed. In fact, the Patriots lost time of possession, 34 to 26. So, calm down, Foxborough. That took. It could be a big loss for them. Muhammad Wilkerson ankle injury huge player for them yeah um okay unless we have anything else to say about this game i think it's time to check in Uh-oh. with the great k rich who looks healthier k rich what's up boys i'm feeling a lot better today you sound better i think it's because of my theme music i yeah. was a big fan of the theme music you know we love the theme music we haven't heard the whole thing yet and we decided next week we're going to tease us a little bit <laughs> Uh, we're going to hear, hear the full version. It's going to be a Around the League podcast listening party 
<laughs> K. Rich's theme song. Yes. And we're going to offer, not, maybe not a critique, but it's more just a celebration. I love the backup singers the most. Our budget was so much bigger <laughs> than I expected to hear the little K. Rich. Yeah. I mean, that was. chanting my name. And Chris loved that sax. I did. I was a big fan of the sax. I loved the, I loved the sax, too. Wes compared it to uh, the sax solo in Jungle Land by Springsteen, I think. Is it? Oh, 10th Avenue th- Freeze Out, maybe? Yeah, we had uh, Van Morrison. <laughs> Did you get healed? And Jerry Rafferty's Baker Street. Some some other great <laughs> Baker sa- Street. I love some that other song. great saxes. Yeah, uh, I, I, that was ahead. huge on Twitter. Yeah, and when the when the sax kicks in, it goes bonkers. So let's let's next week we're gonna we want to build up to that because it's almost like we have too much going on today. We want to give that the proper time. All right, all right. So headlines. now we're going to head up with the headlines. And we have Ooh, like something that. so significant today that that's the only thing that we're going to concentrate on. <laughs> that's the only thing. Not that it, we're. But we do have 15 game previews like coming up. No, I think she's speaking of the uh, amount of news content uh, today. Yes. So starting up, Indianapolis Colts. Vic Ballard suffers a freak knee injury and will miss the rest of the Colts season. Have we oversold this item of news as the <laughs> most important thing? I mean, it is, though, a, a key player for that offense because Bradshaw was not given complete full time last year. They're easing him into the schedule in week one, and he's their best pass protector out of the backfield. But Ballard played a balanced role in that offense. Bradshaw has a built-in uh, reminder for coaches. Every time you saddle him up for 20 carries, he's on the injury report for the next six weeks. <laughs> right. Uh, so that's a problem. The guy's had uh, at least a half a dozen surgeries on his feet and ankles. Dick he, Ballard's a good player, right? I mean, yeah. isn't he a pretty good player? He is. I would say he's he's about a league average running back, but he's he's more versatile. I mean, he can play every, every down. He get he gets what's blocked. He he doesn't make mistakes. But. I think he might be even a little better than that. And he ran well last week. And you always talk about Greg Cosell is a good saying that you know you talk about you. You know, running backs aren't that important until you need one. And now you have Ahmad Bradshaw and Donald Brown as the only two guys on the roster. They call up a guy, Kerwin Williams, from the practice squad. So suddenly Donald Brown is playing a big role for your team. You know, that's a problem. How about the Colts call up the Giants, you know, give up a conditional draft pick, get Brandon Jacobs, and then we have the Jacobs Bradshaw. <laughs> I like that. Back I like in that. Indy. You know, where they had their Super Bowl glory only two years earlier. I like what would happen in New That's York if the move. front office signs <laughs> Jacobs and then basically gets a draft pick for him two days later. Masterful. <laughs> Masterful will never move. happen. I think they would take like a blimpy sub for Brandon Jacobs. They would be happy to blimpy. give him away for anything. I, I, don't think know, I don't know why. Blimpy. Greg touting like the fourth largest Subway sandwich <laughs> was, dealership yeah. in the country. Speaking of Jacobs, I love the fact that he was like 300 pounds a month ago. Then he's like, I decide I want to play football again. He lost 35 pounds. His body must be in complete chaos right now. Yeah, he's going to run for 100 yards. On that Sunday. sounds healthy, losing 35 pounds in a month. <laughs> <laughs> I think the issue here isn't that Bradshaw and Donald Brown can't get it done. The issue is that they are two of the most injury-prone running backs in the NFL. So even if you, even if they play well for a month, they could go down at any point, and then you're left with Kerwin Williams and nothing behind. Well, maybe this will disabuse Pep Hamilton, their offensive coordinator, from going with a more run-heavy conservative offense and just play to your strengths and throw the ball around. Well said. I'm officially nervous, though, about my 11-5 and prediction. Because if these guys, if and when they go down and then they don't have that option, and Bradshaw, when he gets hurt, when he gets moved too much, get used too much, he was a great blocker. I worry, and we didn't see a lot. Mark, you know, you noticed the offensive line uh, for the Colts. Well, I think Jim yeah. Irsay 
uh, was right to tweet what he did. Maybe that's not the best channel to <laughs> air your gripe, but that's Ursay. Leave the mad, mad tweeter alone. Yeah, when you watch that team, Luck is under duress constantly. And if he weren't, if you had a quarterback in there that couldn't just stand, make the throw under pressure, they would be a disaster. And that that left side of the line left him in chaos more than more than once in that game against the uh, Raiders. Okay, Rich, uh, thank you for the headlines. Not a problem. And uh, we're getting ready. We're getting ready for that theme song. Get ready for next week, boys. Bonkers sacks, hashtag. Um, <laughs> all right, so we should. All right, so let's do it. Let's get into week two. This is, Greg, why don't you set this up? Because this could be one of the best weeks of the year. I think so. I mean, on paper, we already had a nice Thursday night on paper. Didn't play out that way, but it was close. Uh, seriously, though, how many weeks do you have 49er Seahawks? I think. Am I am I wrong to say that's the game that we like the most in the NFL right now? Yes. Yes. Right. So you're not wrong. No, you're not wrong. So we've got that on Sunday night. We've got Eli versus Peyton, which we've done a few times before, but it's still pretty cool when you think about it. Uh, we have the Packers, Aaron Rodgers against RG3 and the Redskins. You know, that's a nice little one, two, three punch for a week two setup. So why don't we go around the room? Does, uh, why don't each of us take ownership of one of these top games this week? Um, Greg, why don't you start with the, the game that you uh, opened with there? Seahawks and 49ers, to me, this is a referendum a little bit on what, where their defenses are at right now. And do we think that San Francisco has enough to go up there in Seattle and, and get a win in the toughest home field advantage in football? I think... As, mu- as confident as I am in Kaepernick and the 49ers coaching staff, I think the Seahawks are literally unbeatable at home. They didn't get beat all of last year, and they're too good to get beat at home this year. They play like they play like they're breaking out of jail when they're up there. By the way, the Packers would disagree last season. They probably think they won in that building. But they didn't. They didn't. And that was kind of before the Seahawks were the Seahawks. That was before right. Russell Wilson right. was Russell Wilson. Right. Yeah. And how lucky are we just – I love the Wilson Kaepernick thing because it's just starting, and you know that there's going to be eight to ten more years of this, and yet they both seem to be playing at such a high level. If one of those two guys is going to have a huge game on Sunday, do you think it's Wilson or Kaepernick? Uh, I think it's Wilson, and I've got a mind blowing stat for you. All right. Ooh. In the game last year at Seattle, Seahawks win 42 to 13 in a blowout. While facing pressure, Russell Wilson's quarterback rating was 128.3. Colin Kaepernick's was a big, fat zero. Hmm. Really? Yes. That was a game, though, where Alden Smith did not have Justin Smith paired next to him. He will this time. I think that the 49ers bring more pressure than they did in that game. I watched that in a tavern not far from our workplace. Shocker. And, well, <laughs> I'll never forget that night because <laughs> a 49ers... <laughs> Usually when I watch a game in a tavern, I forget the whole night. Yeah. No, but the, the 49ers fans in there, and there were a number of them who just... I don't think they were quite on board with where Seattle was at that point in the season. They had not even watched a couple of these guys watch Russell Wilson play the way he was being used. They were stunned. And they were angry. And I remember them just ri- like raising arms saying, who is this Russell Wilson guy? That game was as dominant a performance as I saw last season. And I don't think the 49ers could possibly play that bad, but I would not bet against Seattle at home. The one thing I'm a little worried about, we all picked the Seahawks in this room. Kevin Patra, uh, our fifth ATL member, actually picked the 49ers to win on the road. 
is the pass rush comparing the two. Seattle's offensive line, I think, has questions, and they got to Russell Wilson last week. I think 49ers can get some pressure. Where on the flip side, Seattle's you know stopped Carolina, but they had no pressure on the passer last week. And if you give Kaepernick time, I'm I'm afraid. I wake up in the middle of the night worried about what Colin Kaepernick's going to do to me. Like this guy. <laughs> Wait, what? I mean, I'm just saying this guy. <laughs> Check under is, your back. What's Colin the, Kaepernick's what's the context? This guy here? is a frightening quarterback. <laughs> is what I'm trying to say. That he, I just think oh. at this point his ceiling and. I just don't know where it is with Colin Kaepernick, and if you don't get any pressure on him. Well, the Seahawks offensive line, aren't they the exact same as they were last year? They have continuity, yes. Right, and that wasn't an issue last year. Maybe that was just all about how good the Panthers' pass rush is. They don't have John Moffat around anymore. I mean, <laughs> we don't have John Moffat to kick around anymore. If, with uh, As an aside, with this causing you sleeplessness, are you kind of on board with Jaws saying this could we could be watching the greatest quarterback of all time? I know what he was, what he meant in that way, in that if you're just – if you just think about everything he does at the best level, his accuracy, his arm strength, his speed, his intelligence, his running bit, he is just kind of like this robo quarterback. And I think his ceiling, if you want to put it that way, is as high as anyone. I agree with that. All right, uh, let's move on. I will, uh, I will take the next game. Denver Broncos and New York Giants, the Manning Bowl, as we alluded to earlier i can't remember have these games how many are that have there been now this is the third were the first i know one of them was a blowout was the other one close i don't remember well, i think it was fairly close it was sunday night football i remember covering it for my old employer but yeah um that's beside the point my my feeling on this is and I, this was one of my hero picks actually and uh everyone's counting out the giants here in this room anyway and and there was plenty not to be excited about, uh, especially with David Wilson, who was supposed to be a linchpin of this offense, and he imploded. But just when, you know, this is a Coughlin trap game where you think the Giants are going to get beat, and then they have a big win. And I think that happens. I think Manning, after seven touchdowns, he has to come down to earth a little bit. And I think the Giants are in a good spot, even though people don't think that. And I look at the Giants' defense, and I, I cannot agree with you, Dan. I just uh, Unless the Broncos really, really dissemble from what we saw last week, I'm not sure where you're seeing the lack of production or what's, what the Giants are going to be able to do to turn it around. I, I don't, I, New, York, New York is a type of team that when their backs are against the wall, that's when they surprise you. You're right. I don't see it happening this week. Giants have a lot more holes on their defense than the Ravens have on theirs. I think it's problematic for, for them. And I just want to say how much I'm looking forward to the absurd arguments we're going to hear all week <laughs> that Eli is a better quarterback or is even in the same discussion with Peyton. This will be great for everybody who likes to make up storylines this week. Who is saying that Eli is a better quarterback than Peyton? People said it in the offseason. They're going to say it this week. You know they're going to say it. That it's, second ring is what did it. People try well, to use that as sure. a platform to say that Eli's better, which is just It's absurd. preposterous. They always yeah. make the argument, well, if you could have a guy for the whole game, it's Peyton Manning. But in the fourth quarter, it's well, Peyton Manning, you don't need the fourth quarter comeback because he's Peyton Manning the rest of the game. I think that's ridiculous. So you guys don't think that you think this will be a blowout? It sounds like the Giants well, we don't pick, have a chance. We all picked the Broncos, right. except for you, correct? Yeah, but are, are the Giants even going to be competitive against the mighty Broncos? <laughs> I think the the case for them is that they move the ball really well on Dallas. They can throw for a lot of yards. They have a good third receiver in Reuben Randall. They're uh, at home. They're at home. They have a good running back too. Right. David Wilson. He is a good running back. And he's going to play. Yeah, he's going to play. Well, I agree with Wes that he's not going to be – there's a lot of overreaction to Wilson in general. He's going to be fine. 
I think the Giants secondary is hard to overcome. Not only were they bad going into the season, they're going to be without Prince and Mukamara in this game, so that's another starter. I think the only way the Giants win is if it's 40-37. to 37. And I, I think there's enough questions about the Broncos' defense that that could happen. All right, Wes, you want to give us uh, your game? I have Bengals-Steelers. And I actually picked the Steelers to win this game for the for two reasons. One, when the whole country is jumping on how bad they are, that's usually a sign that the whole country is wrong, hmm. that they're overreacting to one week. And there's this, still this little, uh, there's kind of a big brother, little brother uh, feature but in this rivalry. The little brother can't beat the big brother. And maybe we're going to see that turn, and the Bengals are going to grow up and finally put the smack down on the Steelers. But there's a psychological thing there where, for years, the Bengals did not believe they could beat the Steelers. But they did beat them to essentially make the playoffs last year. Not because of anything the Bengals did, except for Geno Atkins. The Steelers lost that game more than the Bengals won. And you take out that win, and the Bengals against the Ravens and the Steelers have done nothing in the AFC North to prove that, as people said, they're the most talented team in the AFC if they don't take care of business, the Bengals are 0-2 after two weeks, which has to be one of the bigger surprises. I, and I know, Greg, you took uh, Roethlisberger as your MVP pick. I know it's only week two, but if he is an MVP-type player, he needs to come up big and basically carry this team. Yeah, I totally agree with you. And on paper, it doesn't look great. Like Wesleyan, I picked the Steelers kind of going against the stream because of that. The offensive line's already injured. They need him to be that type of player that just carries them. And I'll take my chances with him versus Andy Dalton. And this is a big early game in the division. I think this division's going to be close when it comes down to it. And you don't want to start 0-2. There's that stat, 11, only 11% of teams that start 0-2 make the playoffs. It's a tough hole to climb out of, especially if you're going for a wild card. I think we see the real Steelers defense come out, and it's a defensive type of game. That game against the Titans, though, I've watched a lot of Steelers games in the AFC North. I have never seen them look as lifeless as they did against Tennessee. It's like when that first drive ended in a fumble. It's like they never came back from that. And the pouncy injury, I think that deflated them too. Yeah. But the one troubling sign I saw for the Bengals, as great as A.J. Green was last week, their offense doesn't move unless he's involved. He had both touchdowns and had a long pass interference penalty to get the ball at the one-yard line that led to the other touchdown. They need more Gio Bernard, more Tyler Eifert. Yeah, they, they went into the offseason thinking we need some big-time playmakers. Maybe these rookies solve it. It didn't happen in week one. And during this uh, segment when we were talking about this game, I actually accidentally reached my foot and stretched my foot and touched Greg's foot tenderly. He didn't even break stride. It just shows what a pro he is. I didn't even notice. I'm just used he has to no, He has no in. feeling throughout his body. This is when we found out that Greg has a wooden foot. This is awkward. <laughs> He's a robot. Um, all right, um, Mark, give us a game. I have uh, Green Bay, Washington. And for me, I, I guess the question I have, and I, and I was the guy that picked Green Bay to not win this division and not go on to the Super Bowl like a couple people around here did. Ooh, I don't like at all what they did. Fired. Well, no, they're, they're a popular pick to go to the playoffs. I think that was a bit of an upset. Sit down, Greg. Greg's standing <laughs> up like he's trying to front me. That's not going to end well for you. The Sizzler. It's not going to end well for you. Sizzler. Sit back down in that chair. Uh, but so, wow. you know, we talked about this last week. Green Bay spends months and months preparing for the read option. Greg Roman, like we knew he would, counters by doing nothing. Go spend as many hours as you want. I'm going to unleash Kaepernick. 
He fries Green Bay for 400-plus yards <laughs> passing. Now, with Washington, you're not going to see any read option there, I don't think, either, because RG3 looked rustier than many thought he would. The Tin Man. He's going to have to throw the ball against the Packers, and they know that. I want to see how they respond to the Redskins. Listen to that Sessler sizzle. I know. He's I fired would, up. I am, who are you picking again? I am picking, I believe I picked the, the Packers. There you go. <laughs> I lost all momentum. But, no, you know Almost. what? Listen, I, I really <laughs> I do not see Green Bay being the team people think. They're an incomplete football team. I think so. I think so, too. I, well, I think Green Bay is going to be fine this year, and I and I kind of feel bad for the Redskins because this is a tough way to start the season. You know, if they if they got out of the first two weeks one and one and let RG3 start to get healthy, everything's fine, but... Uh, I don't think they're going to win this game. I think they're going into a buzzsaw, and they're going to give up 35, 40 points, and they're going to be 0-2 going into uh, week three. I just want to say I always enjoy a great rant, and that was Howard Beale-esque. <laughs> <laughs> it's not quite as effective when you go ahead and then pick the Packers well, to you're win. Right. You're right. My, uh, that, you shouldn't have asked me that question, Dan, because it, <laughs> it sent that whole thing off the rail. i got to Google Howard Beale. In, in Mark's defense, the Washington Redskins are – counting on the return of Brandon Merriweather at some point to make a difference in their defense. I keep That's, hearing this narrative, and I don't get it. I, I'm hearing this from Redskins fans in the news. I even heard it from Greg Cosell, I think. Wait till they get Merriweather back. I mean, he's played six games in the last three years, all ineffectively. I mean, this is not a good defense. And top to bottom, you know, they have a couple pass rushers, but I think the secondary is one of the worst in football. And I think on offense, you're seeing what RG3's injury, what kind of effect that could have on the team's running game. No one really talked about Alfred Morris and the holes he wasn't getting and the fact that when they do the play action to Alfred Morris and the read option, defenses freeze. And that wasn't there last week, and I think the Packers' defense is going to be good this year. It's not a good matchup. The The Packers' front seven played great against the run last week. And I, and I think that you're right. The Redskins do want to establish Albert, Alfred Morris this week. I don't think it's quite as easy as that, like you said. Without the threat of RG3, those lanes aren't as big. And for our younger listeners, Howard Beale is a fictional character from the 1976 film Network, played <laughs> by the late Peter Finch. Uh, famous line, I'm mad as hell and I'm not going like to take it anymore. Epically, that's a film that basically is the number one broadcast journalism rant film of all time. So. It has one go. of the best rants in entertainment history boom uh, you know that's why Wes is he's the Cliff Clavin he's just got all this information <laughs> the mailman. he's the mailman um, all right so those are those are the, maybe the four marquee games on Sunday but uh, w- let's go through our hero picks uh, what are we calling this segment we decided to I think it's defend your hero defend pick. defend <laughs> your hero I like or, hero pick segment so hero picks are when one of us chooses a game and the rest of the group goes against them a chance, it's really the chance for all of us to take some, some uh, you know, lead in the picks competition, which unfortunately has Dan in the basement once yeah, again. Yeah, I suffered. I went 8-8 eight and eight in week one, and I suffered one of the worst hero defeats ever on Monday night. I took the Chargers. They were up 28-7. <laughs> I was feeling good. I texted everybody gloating. And, of course, what happens? <laughs> the Chargers blow it, and, and just amazing. Almost impressive how, how amazingly badly they played down that stretch. And uh, I wrote in our – by the way, you could see all our picks on the Around the League blog um, where we uh, – Picking week two yeah. winners. Hang on, you hang on a second. find it there. <laughs> and, and by the way, you could see all our picks on the Around the League blog. We, we post them every Wednesday. 
so check that out. But uh, yeah, I wrote uh, because the loser of the the picks for the week has to write the intro. I wrote that I will never pick the Chargers again this season. That is their penalty, and I'm sure they're really torn up about it. It's week two, and Dan's already on tilt. I know. Making I'm already emotional full picks. on panic mode. <laughs> um, so why don't we? Yeah, why don't we? Like we did last week, go through. Uh, the hero picks of the week. Wes, you had two of them, so why don't you start out um, going through them? I was shocked that I was the only person who picked the Lions to beat the Cardinals, not because I don't think the Cardinals are a decent 500 football team, and maybe the Lions are too, but from what I saw on tape in week one, I think the Lions are a good team. They're not just an average team, and I fear for Carson Palmer's life this week. (laughs) <laughs> I do. I, that front four from Detroit is just so ferocious. And then we saw what Quinn did to Levi Brown. This is going to be ugly. This it, shouldn't be defend your hero pick. It should be we should be defending the <laughs> fact that no one else took the Lions. It's true. By the way, to to use a a, a Bill Simmons theory, is uh, Sue now and Damakon Sue, is he in the Tyson zone where anything he did on the field would not be surprising? Like you come up with any scenario and it wouldn't surprise you? That's a good call. What else you got, Wes? I also have <laughs> – this is another one that surprised me. After one week, everybody has forgotten that the Raiders are, have the least talent of any team in the NFL. Everybody kind of agreed in the preseason the Jaguars have a better roster than the Raiders. After one week, because the Raiders showed a little bit better than we expected, they are now favored to beat the Jaguars. I think the issue there is because they're playing Jacksonville, you line up the Raiders against anyone else, you wouldn't have gotten four guys picking Oakland. I think um, Jacksonville looked really bad, and the two reasons for that. Gabbert was awful. Now we have Henny starting. He's not much better, but I think he can move the offense better. And people are underselling how great the Chiefs played in Week 1. Yeah, this might be the only time I picked the Raiders all season. They are at home against a bad Jacksonville team that just lost 28-2, which is one of the more humiliating final scores you could lose by. Um, so I, I took Oakland, but I don't know. I mean, the Jaguars, are they are they the worst team in the league? Well, we'll find out this week. This is a referendum. Will this yeah. decide who gets the Their one defense pick? is not the worst defense in football. This this game could change football history. If if Teddy Bridgewater changes the NFL or whatever, this is this is a big game for that pick. But but I think we might be underselling how well the Raiders played last week. I think they played well defensively. And I think Terrell Pryor was better maybe even than you guys gave him credit for, saying that he couldn't repeat it. I thought he made some nice third down throws. He made some nice throws in rhythm. I'll take my chances, but Wes is playing the game very well. Because if you can get a hero pick against the Raiders or a hero pick <laughs> against the Cardinals, you know, that's that's how you want to play the game. And, you know, we want to call Wes a great strategist, but he's also taking the Jaguars two weeks in a row. This could look very bad in a couple days. <laughs> that's true. Touche. Um, um, okay, I'll, I'll throw out my hero pick. I picked the Bills to beat the Panthers. Um, this... I thought E.J. Manuel did some things that look good. I think the Bills in Orchard Park, it's gonna, that's, that helps them, obviously. And until I see the Panthers prove that they know how to you know, go on the road or win a close game, especially in the, the front end of a season, I'm go- always going to assume they find a way to lose. So I feel pretty good about the Bills this week. This is my game where what we thought about E.J. Manuel and the praise that we heaped on him, which was not out of place last week. I thought he did well against the Patriots. We're going to be singing a different tune after Carolina's defense utterly erupts in Buffalo. Wow. I, I think that is, and you know, Wes has talked about this too, the Jets have a nice front seven. The Lions have a beautiful one. Carolina Sexy. is going to damage some quarterbacks. 
And wow. when the Bills' offensive line struggled last week, it was on the interior line. I think they're pretty good. They played well against the Patriots, but Chandler— Cordy, Cordy Glenn had a really good game at left tackle. But now the Panthers can't just get you on the outside with Hardy and Johnson, but they can get you on the inside with their two rookies, who both look good again in the regular season opener. And they they just stuffed Marshawn Lynch last week. And if they can stop the Bills' running game, I think they win that game going away. And let's not forget about the Panthers' struggles on offense in week one. Um, so I'm not completely convinced that they're going to be able to put up enough points to put di- distance. But perhaps I'm underestimating how good uh, Carolina's front seven can well, be. Well, it bothers me that Ron Rivera says, hey, you know what, I don't really get this whole thing with – fast-paced offenses, <laughs> up-tempo, creative offenses. I don't see why we need to change what we're doing. You better change what you're doing because you have one of the more talented quarterbacks in football. You've got him hemmed in. I don't think Cam threw a pass. He threw three passes over 10 yards last week. That's not how you win in today's this NFL. Is, this is not meant to be condescending in the least, but it doesn't surprise me that Ron Rivera doesn't get that. <laughs> well, no. he sees it from the defensive right. side. That's what it's he's seeing. That, uh, that's the kind of philosophy he has. and He's playing old. I don't think that it works in 1973 NFL. It doesn't work in 2013. That's right. It works when you're a member of the 1986 Bears like Ron Rivera is, but they're not. the Panthers aren't going to be that team. Um, Wes and I are in a great spot to pick up some ground with our hero picks. For shame, Sessler and Greg, so much chalk that they didn't have a hero pick. Well. So, well, how about the fact that we both had hero picks last last week? We were also the co-hero pick champions <laughs> last year. Live yeah. so now. You don't get anything, Dan, by the way. I'm going to let, let you know here. Losing a hero pick doesn't <laughs> right. get you anything. If losing a hero pick was a category, you know, Dan would be the 27 Yankees. Mighty defensive, they you sound a little. Are. They sound a little complacent. Yeah, so they're coasting on their hero picks is, from last week. This is what I will throw to you guys. I will give you... Patra's hero pick, well, he had the Niners Seahawks. We talked about that. I will toss to you guys that he took the Rams over the Falcons, and you could fight it off. Who gets to talk about that? I don't think that's hard to defend at all. The no. Rams pass rush uh, on turf in Atlanta, it's a tough place to win, but uh, I think that's a smart, as hero picks go, I could definitely see the Rams being a, a big problem for Atlanta. Robert Quinn, three sacks last week. Chris Long against you know the, on the other side against the Falcons line that – we've talked about is a mess on some level. It's not a crazy upset on, a, on any level, I don't I, think. No. What were you going to say? Go ahead. I picked the Falcons to win, and I don't feel good about it at all. Um, the Rams are really fast on turf, offensively, defensively. Quinn is going to match up against Sam Baker, who hasn't even practiced this week and was one of the worst left tackles in the league last week. Roddy White is not the same. Jonathan Babineau hasn't practiced this week. That's three of the Falcons' most important players. The Rams' offense is one of the groups I haven't gone back to watch. What what did Sam Bradford look like last week to you guys that took a closer look? He looked like Sam Bradford. He, st- he yeah. still makes throws that you say, wow, he's got one of the best arms in the league. Jared Cook looks extremely fast, and it's just going to be a matchup problem with everybody. I heard Greg Cosell say that he is absolutely – he used the word gushing over Jared Cook. <laughs> and Tavon Austin, not yet, uh, didn't make a huge impact in week one, but I guess – it's just a matter of time before that guy goes off from and everything we Patrick hear. Peterson took Chris Givens out of the game. Sneaky great game here. I could see this being a really fun one to watch. Okay, so let's go over the orphans. These are the rest of the games that uh, either were not highlighted by us and there were no hero picks involved. Um, so we'll go down the list. Uh, why don't we start with Cleveland and Baltimore? We, gotta, we always got to go to Mark Sessler to get his Cleveland thoughts coming off a disastrous opener at home. <laughs> Any chance in Baltimore? 
this game really con- this is a perfect storm Browns game that I've seen play out probably 27 other times following this <laughs> team where the Ravens are agitated. They didn't get that home opener like every other defending Super Bowl champion. They now get their home opener. It's against a Browns team that right side of that offensive line let Cameron Wake just walk through a barnyard door last week. Now you got Elvis Doomerville. I, I don't like what Cleveland did on offense at all last week, and I have a bad feeling this could be one of these 43-10 to 10 oh. type situations. Mark has well, lost all confidence. Elvis Doomerville is no Cameron Wake. It's it's not even close. Cameron Wake is one but of the Mitchell best. But Mitchell Schwartz is the still Mitchell Schwartz. That's true. It doesn't set up well because the Broncos couldn't run on the Ravens last week. The Browns, as much as they want to get Trent Richardson involved, are going to go against the Ravens' strength run defense, and then they're going to have to pass with Weed, and, and then the wheels fall off. I, I think the Ravens' offense could be really bad, though, this year. I mean, we might find out last week that that was a good performance for them. So I think it could be a nice, low, close game that Phil Do- – oh, wait, Phil Dawson isn't in Cleveland anymore. Oh, I guess you guys Don't rub are it in on Mark. By the way, <laughs> uh, I desperately need – maybe asking for a win is a little much – but for my nine and seven Browns number six seed pick and my Brandon Whedon four thousand yards thirty touchdowns need this pick, to happen. I need something positive to come out of this game, Mark. Maybe, can you give it to me? Maybe Jason Campbell can throw for four thousand yards. I'm reverse <laughs> jinxing this so that when it happens, yes, I'm not going to call a win here, and I don't see a win because I haven't. I've never. I've known you now for I guess three and a half years. I've never seen you so down on this franchise. And just a month ago, you were reading a written statement. Changing your pick from them going four and twelve to seven and nine. Do you realize but I've you're been talking in like, like zero and sixteen? I've been in an ab- essentially an abusive relationship <laughs> since nineteen eighty six. You have battered wife syndrome. <laughs> keep coming back. Okay, um, Minnesota Chicago. Who wants to jump in with some thoughts on that? Greg does. Well, it's the Christian Ponder special. Uh, no, I think I think this is a good test of where these. Two teams are at early in the season because I don't know what I took away from their first two games, whether we really think that the Vikings are going to fall right back down to the end of that uh, division. If you're asking Christian Ponder to win games for you, you're going to be in trouble. He's going to have to win it. I mean, this is a good Bears team. He didn't last year, and they won 10-6. and six. He had started the, uh, he started the season well, won some games, and finished the season, won some games. Just in the middle, he was an abyss. If he plays terribly, you're gonna. That will be one of the big storylines heading into Week Three. Is is Ponder the answer? So we'll see. Uh, Tennessee, Houston, Mark. I think Tennessee, Houston. I went back and watched that game, and you know Jake Locker threw twenty passes, fewer than any other quarterback. And I understand they want to establish a, a run heavy offense, but my takeaway, and you guys can tell me if you think differently. I think that they realize Jake Locker is not going to beat you any other way, and we're going to hide him in an offense that, Frank, honestly, I'm not sure it works over the course of a season. I could see this team going 8-8. Eight and eight. Their defense impressed me, but you cannot just do what they tried to do against Pittsburgh 15 more games. My takeaway was that the Titans went out of their way to say that Jerry Gray called that game on defense. And if you watch it, it was clearly Greg Williams' Very defense. Much so. And they're much better than last year. Our making the leap candidate, Zach Brown, was great. Jarrell Casey, who was the best defensive player on the field for them during the preseason. Had a great game against the Steelers. Tore up the interior of their line. Having said all that, the Texans are a better team. Uh, Here's a sneaky potential game of the week uh, from a competition standpoint. Miami goes into Indianapolis. That was such a great game last year. I mean, Tannehill quietly had one of 
the best games uh, of his season. Uh, they, it was kind of a gunslinger, you know, rookie type of game where they're just throwing it all over the field. I don't know if these two teams are set up to do that right now, though. I think it's more of a defensive type of game. Well, one of those teams has a defense, a very good one. The other one doesn't. So do we think Tannehill go, goes on the road and wins? I took the Dolphins to win this game. I took the Colts, and I think this might be the referendum on Pep Hamilton. Will they open it up and let and will let Andrew Luck win the game instead of trying to control the tempo with uh, this running game that probably isn't good enough to do it? I think Luck threw for 400-and-something yards against Miami last year. I'm not sure that's going to happen again uh, this time around. I picked the Colts, too. Yeah, I'm sticking with it. I think this Dolphins defense could be really good this year. I do, too. And I also think, like last year, the Colts playing a lot of close games that go down to the wire. I think we're going to see that again, but I don't know if it's going to work out for them as often if they uh, play that way again. All right, here's another good game. Man, this is a really good week. I'm saying. Dallas Cowboys coming off a very nice opening win against the Giants at home, head to Kansas City to play Andy Reid and the Chiefs. Mark Sessler. This feels like a trap game potentially for me for the Cowboys. When they, when we look back at an eight and eight Cowboys team, if that's what happens, this will be one of the games where you say, you know, listen, they sh- they are a more talented football team, and I agree with Wes. Kansas City did. I watched that game on Sunday last week. Did a really really nice job. That's masked by the fact that everyone just says it's the Jaguars. I, I think that Alex Smith, in the positive way, was exactly what Alex Smith wanted Andy what Andy Reid wanted him to be. And he can, he can operate that offense, and if they're efficient, I think Dallas could see a, a stumble here. Trap game. They're not good enough to have a trap game. <laughs> I mean, Their just, version of a trap game. <laughs> I think the Chiefs were more impressive in week one, but this is not a great matchup for them. The weakness of the Cowboys is in the secondary, and Alex Smith isn't testing defenses down the field. He's dinking and dunking over the middle, which I, I think the Cowboys is the wrong defense to do that against. And then on the other side of the ball, as great as the Chiefs were on defense last week, the Cowboys have so many weapons. It's it's not going to be like playing against the Jaguars. Up next, let's go to Philadelphia. The Chargers and Eagles. Greg Rosenthal. I mean, just Chip. Ke- it's Chip Kelly's world. We're all just living in it. I mean, this is this is must see TV every week now, and we see if the first half Chargers uh, were a sign that this team is going to be a little better this year or whether they're just kind of going to be a disaster. I tend to take out of that Monday night game that maybe the Texans and, and Chargers are a little closer than people think. It was a little fluky what happened. Uh, and, I mean, I'm just – I can't wait to watch it. I think uh, as much as we talked about tempo with the Eagles, the most important thing was that they were picking up huge chunks of yardage in the first half. And – uh, the Chargers linebackers, especially Brunt Bird filling in for Manti Teo, was taken advantage of last week, and I think that's going to be a hole in the middle of the field for the Eagles to exploit. Such a big game for Phillip Rivers because this is a tough matchup for him, but this could be his final season in San Diego, I think, if he doesn't show the coaching staff that he's got anything they can hang their hats on. Well, there is this crazy stat, too. The, the team that uh, plays the Eagles in the home opener. Philly's home opener has won the Super Bowl four straight years. So that would mean that the Chargers would have to win the Super Bowl this year to keep that stat going. But that's a that's a pretty wacky stat. If that's right a strange if I had to make one pick for a game on <laughs> this this slate that will be a blowout this week, I think this is it. I think we're talking 41-17. Eagles have people all excited again. And the Chargers is in a tank after costing me on Monday night. 
<laughs> All right, let's uh, close. You wrap it up for us, Wes, while I uh, I get some water. Dad's uh, weekly impersonation of Mike Mad Dog. Uh, That's a bad job Chris- by you, Charges. <laughs> bad job by you. Good one, Mikey. Um, New Orleans at Tampa Bay. Wes. Uh, the story of the game here to me is Josh Freeman. He's under fire. They ripped the C off his jersey. He played terribly in the first game. Shiano is basically setting him up for failure right now. Uh, he's he has to play well, or he's going to be even un- more under the gun than Christian Ponder. I like that you said rip the C off his jersey. It reminds me of like a wrestling move. Yes, yeah. it, it happened <laughs> symbolically. They ripped the C off his jersey figuratively. It is a terrible sign that the moment that this players only meeting leaks out into the media that then there's another report right after that saying how Josh Freeman missed uh, the team meetings that leaks out to the media like as a response, and then Shiano comes out and talks about it publicly. I mean, that's throwing your – players don't like that when you, when you put them on blast like that, and it just shows there's a schism right now between the players and, and Shiano. And how about Shiano volunteering the information that, yes, he overslept through that team photo, but this is not the first time he's been late either. That You don't even need to say that. It just, it's, almost, it's transparent what's going on here. He's building his case. I wrote this long – uh, overly long, overly winding report on why I thought the Bucks would make the playoffs this season. Nice sell, and buddy. possibly good fodder for why I should be at Whole Foods about a month from now stocking <laughs> fruits and vegetables. Are we saying that Greg Schiano took a metal folding chair to Josh Freeman's knees? <laughs> that's uh, that's kind of accurate, I think. Um, all right, that's week two. We did it. This is our longest podcast ever. I think uh, steam is coming out of K. Rich's ears, but I feel like it was fun. I thought everybody uh, got made some great points. So as, as you know, we now do a Sunday podcast, so uh, make sure you uh, check out whatever device you use to listen to the show. Uh, you'll have something ready to go on Sunday night. Uh, next week, besides listening to K. Rich's theme song, The Listening Party, um, hashtag Bonkers sacks. We are also <laughs> going to play Win Wes's Toaster next week. I know All right. The people are Wednesday. talking about it. People are excited. Wednesday's a big show because you're going to have both of those things. But uh, we should probably get out of here. Um, signing off, the mailman, the sizzler, and the boss. And Lyle, the intern. Let's throw, let's throw him a little love. Uh, we'll see you on Sunday night. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you.